Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, perched high atop the banks of the majestic Blackstone River. Greetings from the jewel of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. You feeling okay today, buddy? You know, that, that was a depressed opening. You're usually a lot more vibrant than that. Well, that was depressed. Would you like me to redo it? No, I just think it was depressed. Well, you know that actually sets the it sets the tone yeah. for me today. Okay, I'm a little left. My voice sounds a little rough Ooh. and harsh. Yeah, and I sound like I'm a little under the weather. Mm-hmm. That's because I am. Why? Well, you know, I was um, out minding my own business last night. <laughs> and, out and uh, about on the town. Yep, certainly was, and. Uh, some uh, young, uh, interesting uh, individuals, friends young, of mine, um, forced me, forced upon me, Ooh. various. Uh, <laughs> this is a family show. Before you continue, <laughs> various uh, adult beverages. Oh, and uh, they took me all around town. Oh, uh, at various locales, mm-hmm. and uh, and seeing and, and experiencing different things. So you had fun, and I did have fun. If you hear something, it's just me adjusting the microphone. You had a little bit too much fun, and that it's reflective in your intro today. It, it is, and you know I had to get up early to get the kids ready for school and all. Yeah, and uh, I'm paying the price now, my friend. Well, that sucks. But anyway, last week we had a great show. We talked about Nine Men's Misery, which is a local historical site here in the Blackstone Valley area. That's right. That was our last um, recorded show, and then we did. The- oh, I'm sorry. Yes, and then we had a retro show where we yep. where we uh, we replayed an interview we did with Mr. Scott Walter. The uh, geophysic, geophysical superstar, yeah, uh, and uh, rock star, good-looking dude. But if I might, if I may say so, well, for an older man, you know, he's uh, he probably does okay with the ladies. Nice guy. Although I think he's married. He was good enough to co- uh, to call into the show. We interviewed him, and uh, good, good guy. Did you did you actually say he's a rock star? No, but that. But he is a rock star. Uh, meaning ge- yes, geology. Pun intended. Rock star. Hey, what's up with the? Uh, so I have a bone to pick. Oh, well, before you get that, yeah. let me tease the show oh, today. Oh, tease it, tease it good. So today is actually an interesting show. We haven't done this before. Um, we're starting a three-episode arc about the same topic, mm. which the reason we're doing it is because this topic has a lot of different facets to it. It's got uh, it's got a true crime aspect. We have a lot of fans who are, are true crime uh, aficionados, so it has that. Yep. It has a uh, paranormal aspect to it, a very, very famous case, and it also has a... Uh, uh, it just got it's got a lot of different things to it, so it's going to require multiple shows to do. Exactly. So, we're, and uh, without without getting into too much of it, we're going to be discussing the Amityville Horror case, mm. which uh, is very interesting. Like I said, a lot of different uh, little a lot of different aspects to it. Today's going to be um, we're going to focus on one part of it, and then we're going to come back for two more uh, episodes later. That's right. Hey, so the the, the have you noticed the prevalence lately of uh, self checkouts? Right? Yeah. At various stores and things. Sure. You sure. get you gather your own groceries. You go up. You check out yourself. Yep. You bag it yourself. Yep. You scan your card. You leave. I'm always nervous. So, here's my. It here's, never goes off without a hitch, though. Here's my hang up with that, right? So you're doing all the work. Yeah. You're basically acting as an employee. There's usually somebody around there and that handles like. Don't five you think or you should credits. get like a discount or something? You should get some sort of uh, money off, because. Yeah. Because why? Why do it then? You could just go to the the uh, the lady that's uh, you, you the, can, the employee there. And you can scan. get money off. You just don't scan. You just scan every other item. Oh, so you steal? No, it's just scanning every other item. Oh, okay. You can, then you could say it was an error. An error, like cashiers, oh, that was a mistake. Cashiers make mistakes all the time, don't they? Oh, you know what you could do? So you just say, I didn't know. I didn't scan. I heard a beep. No, you scan. I don't even know what happened. You scan. You, you pretend to scan it. Yes. You just slide it over the that's machine. That's what I'm saying. And put it in the bag. Yes. Oh. Cashiers do it all the time. That makes sense now. Now you can do it. I got it. So, anyway, so there is an advantage. So, so that was your bone to pick with the with the uh, self checkout. Yeah, you guess don't want so. you feel like you uh, you feel like you work there. Anyway, yeah. Well, I need to tell you before we get into the Amityville horror, at mm. least the first part of it. I had an interesting experience. 
Uh, and if you have small children listening to the program, I know that some people do listen to the show with their kids. Um, I'm not going to get into anything that's too 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 bad, but please, um, uh, maybe earmuffs for the next. So this is a disclaimer. Next portion. Mm. This d- disclaimer is a little bit of adult subject. Oh. So um, I was actually sexually assaulted oh. by a chair. Do you need to call the authorities? Do you need some sort of psychological uh, treatment? I may, and let me explain what happened. All right. So anyway, so I was at the actually my one of my uh, one of my one of my lovely children had a birthday recently, mm. and we had the party at one of those trampoline parks. You know, gotta be careful there. A lot of injuries take place. Well, you go to the trampoline park. It's 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 great for adults because you don't really have to do anything. Yeah. You just kind of sit there, and the kids bounce about, bounce just around. Hope your kids don't. Uh, compound fracture of something yeah no you have to sign all these waivers but anyway so i was in the waiting area with my lovely wife and we noticed that they had those uh you know those massage chairs yeah like the really really high-end ones like a shiatsu chair like yes. it gives you the whack whack machine yeah you usually yeah. see them at the mall or whatever yep, like yep. that no so this one uh it was uh, it was two dollars for six minutes yeah uh and i said you know what i have two dollars i'm gonna try mm. i've never tried one of these machines before so I sat down, and it's very—it's a very comfortable. It's—it's it's a pleather. It's not real leather. No, it has to be pleather. It's ple- well, of course, easy you know, to wipe down, you know. Right. Well, I'm gonna get to that. Oh. So anyway, so I get into the chair. I sit down. It's got, uh, you know, you sink into the chair a little bit, and mm. it has these, uh, these things that come around your legs, you know. Yep. It's got the whole schmear. So yeah, I'm sitting there, and I put the money in, and it starts, you know, giving you a, a pretty good massage. All of a sudden, unbeknownst to me, mm. the leg portions of the thing inflate yeah and they start squeezing the hell and they out of you squeeze you so now you're trapped effectively you get stuck you can't get chair. out of there you can't get no you can't get out especially when you're a very muscular person like myself i'm a very very muscular yeah you're very big yes so anyway so i'm stuck in the chair but this stupid thing's got my legs yep all of a sudden without my knowledge or consent these things came up from the butt area oh they started uh and vibrating started your buttocks ne- needing yeah needing the butt area yeah and i was not well i unexpected um, I didn't think it was coming, uh, and I thought for a second I had a moment of panic that the um, roller would continue to move vertically and not stop. Oh, so it was going to sl- slide into your crack? <laughs> it was going to uh, violate me with its roller. It was going to check your prostate? And so uh, I got really nervous, mm. uh, also somewhat excited at the same time, Yeah. and uh, before I knew it, it was over. So and, me, and, it, and I was left unfulfilled. Did, you didn't feel any uh, sense of no, pleasure no from closure. it? No closure. So let me ask you this. How about this for a panic attack? Yeah. You're in the machine. Mm-hmm. It inflates on your legs. Mm-hmm. You get you get the legs all in trapped in there. Yep. All of a sudden, the power goes out, <laughs> and and a fire uh, happens or some sort of emergency. I'm sure that they have some sort of safety feature. But what I thought was going to happen, I thought these straps were going to come up from my hands, you know, and oh. then like a red ball would come and stuff in my mouth, wrap around you, and then all of a sudden I'm stuck in the chair, uh, getting violated. <laughs> and uh, then you'd you ask know, them, some, "Hey, where'd you get this?" Chair? Some people pay extra for that. And actually, uh, now that I've mentioned it on the air. I, uh, people are probably going to be lining up to try this chair. Yeah, it's a nice chair. You know, make, I, make I had sure. a massage recently, uh, a head massage. Yeah. Actually, I get it every couple weeks. And it's, uh, you know, we talked about hair cutteries before. Yeah, we did. So that place I go to, um, you know, I, I try to avoid the small talk. But anyway. That's hard to believe. After the haircut, they, they give you a, they bring you in the darkened back room. Oh. And they put you in a vibrating chair <laughs> and put your head in the sink. In the sink? Yeah, they give you it a. Sounds like a torture. They give you a scalp massage. Okay. And a hot towel on you. That sounds like fun. But then they bring you back and, and put you back in the chair, and they bring in this wand. Oh. It's a it's a wand with a head on it. A wand? A yeah. magic wand. A, a, a massaging power oh, wand. Oh, it's a wanding it's a, it's a massage wand. It's a power wand. And what do they do with it? They rub it all over you, like your really? head and Really? And this is shoulders. like a legitimate massage place? Yeah. No, no, it's a hair cuttery. Oh, it's cuttery. a hair cuttery. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so there's no there's no violate, violations uh, okay. with, the, with the wand. 
Do you ask for like special extra time with the wand? Or no, but every once in a while they have a uh, customer appreciation month, and you get double the <laughs> massage. Really? For the same price? Do they have like magazines that you can peruse while this is going on? No, no. You close your eyes, you lay oh, back, you relax. Pretend you, you know you spend a lot of time in these places. We've talked about this. You have yep. massages and haircutting that you 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 seem to be a very uh. Very effete, man. Well, here's the problem. I'm on edge constantly, <laughs> so I'm just looking for new and various ways to relax myself. We're going to leave that there. Yeah. As it is. Anyway, so welcome to the Eon Project, where we discuss all manner of things that we have no knowledge about until right before the show, like today. Mm-hmm. So, actually, we're going to be discussing the Amityville Horror Case, and as I said before, so uh, we do have uh, actually a fairly uh, extensive set of uh, set of knowledge, like an Encyclopedia Britannica, about this case and the reason is we're going to get to it in a future show because we have visited this topic before and spoken with experts who had a unique perspective on the case mostly because they were there uh not not there uh, at the time but uh, there in, in, in well there at the time right basically that's true anyway so when i mention the word amityville everybody immediately thinks of what do they think of they think of a haunted house right correct they think of demonic possession and scary movies and stuff but many if not most people don't know that the house at 112 ocean avenue in Amityville, New York, was actually a house of horrors long before the Lutz family moved in in December of 1975. Um, this, this story, as I said before, has many facets, including get ready for th- this laundry list of topics mm. that this that this story uh, encompasses: domestic abuse, which is not funny, nope, drugs, theft, the mafia, murder, police corruption, the paranormal, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, all sorts of stuff going on there. Uh, so much so that we can't do the topic justice in one one episode, as I said before. So as good as that show may be and as awesome. You know, uh, before I get into the topic, mm-hmm. uh, I was actually I got some feedback from the show. They said this was a smart show. Smart? You gotta be wicked smart to listen was to that this. Is that how show. they said it? Yeah. It was some, it was a Bostonian? It was a it was a person from the Bostonian area oh. who said, dude, you got a wicked smart show there. You know, actually we've uh I always check the the listeners and the the clicks from around the world. Yeah. We got some new listens in Australia. What? And the Netherlands? The Netherlands? Yes. You know, I can't stand the Dutch. I'm just kidding. Why? I lo- love the Dutch. Ne- no, it was from a movie. Oh. It was an Austin Powers reference. So I, when I when I look at the clickers, and it tells me how many people from that country have clicked. Mm-hmm. So we got one from each of those countries. One lonely sheep herder one. So I, in it, Australia. It's a good gauge on whether or not they like the show, because if I go back several days later and there's yes, more clicks, that's correct. and they, they came back. Word of mouth has spread in, in the Dutch language, which I can't repeat. That's a Swedish chef. Oh. Anyway, welcome, Netherlands and Australia. So, as we said, we decided to break the show up into to three shows. And today, we're going to be discussing the first part of the show, which is actually the the true crime aspect of the murders, right. uh, of, the, of the case, which would be the murders which took place in this house on 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville. And a quick list disclaimer, if I may. Um, you know, we don't, of course, we make kind of make light of yeah. certain things on the program. Sure. but. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a serious case in, in the fact that there was some uh, some deaths involved and some children that were killed. That, that's right. So we're going to talk about that. We're not making light of it. We're just going about our normal. Uh, this is know, how we tone. are. Uh, like it or not, we can't help it. So sometimes, yeah, we don't we don't think the topic is funny, uh, but we are funny people. So it's we find it hard to turn it off sometimes. Cool. Anyway, so here's the facts of the case of the uh, of the true crime case in brief. Sometime during the night of November 12th into the 13th, 1974, um, six members of the DeFeo family were murdered in their home. Ronald DeFeo, 43, Louise, 42, Dawn, 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John, 9, were all shot and killed. 
All the victims were found in their beds, face down, as if they had been killed in their sleep. And this is at 112 Ocean Avenue. Yeah, I said that. Oh, you did. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. I said it twice. Oh. The weapon used was a 35, 35 caliber Marlin rifle. Taken into custody and later charged with the murders was Ronald DeFeo Jr., who went by the name Butch. Mm-hmm. For some reason, everybody went by the name Butch back in the day. Yep, Butch. Lo- lots of Butches. Butch DeFeo. Around. Butch DeFeo. So those are the basic facts. And if you were to, if you were to just hear that, it would be a terrible tragedy, and you would you would hear it in the news, and you go, "Oh my gosh, an entire family was murdered by one of the members of the family." Um, but there's so much more to this story than that that we need to discuss. And so, and before you can even start to try to figure out what happened, we want to figure out why right. something like this could have happened. That's the, that's the most important thing to me is why. So, um, the house was called High Hopes, which if your house has a name, right. That means it's a pretty nice house. It is, an, it, and for that time period, I think, I think it was you know uh, it was less than a hundred thousand dollars, but back it was, then it was yeah, a lot of money. Eighty eighty thousand yeah. dollars. Well, uh, we'll get to that. Sure, we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, it was it was a, a very nice house. It was right on the water. They had a little boathouse. Yep, right on a um, forget the body of water. It's a-, a canal. Access to the channel. Uh, it was like a channel. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, a, it was a canal. So it was canal. called High Hopes, which was probably a, a lofty title given the shenanigans that took place behind this. Uh, yeah. Behind the walls of this Dutch colonial, Ooh. and if you haven't seen this house, it's actually a pretty neat looking house. It's a like I said, it's a Dutch colonial. It's three stories. It's got these um, very distinctive windows. Which actually, if you go by the house today, those windows do not appear. They they have been removed. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's because of, of stuff that we're going to get to, obviously. But uh, the the present owners of the home obviously don't want anybody to know right uh, that it's the Amityville house. So. Um, before we get into the tragic events that took place in November 1974, we need to discuss a little bit about the family dynamic of the DeFeos. Yep. You ready to do that? So, yep, I am. Oh. So, Ron DeFeo Sr., who we call, we're going to call him Big Ronnie. Big Ronnie. Because you have a Big Ronnie and a Little Ronnie. Correct. Butch was the Little Ronnie. Butch was Little Ronnie. So, we're going to call him Butch. We're going to call the other one Big Ronnie, Mm -hmm. just for sake of clarification. Big Ronnie was an alcoholic, a thief, and a woman beater. And and a, yeah. He probably wore those old-timey wife-beater shirts, you know, with the yellow stains. He did. He had the stains on the it. The stains with the, the suspicious stains. And he, that used you don't to, know he, used to, he used to eat the old TV dinners with the little tray in front of the TV. He probably had those brown pants. You know yep. the brown pants that you always wore with the wife-beater? Oh, yeah. And he probably smelled a little bit like beef barley soup. If I had to say that he smelled like something, he probably looked like he, he probably smelled like beef barley soup. Like a fresh beef barley or like, no, a, maybe like a week like old? A, maybe like a beef barley that had been lying about oh. for a while. Mm. So anyway... By all accounts, he used to beat his wife thoroughly and regularly, which is not nice. Uh, he probably beat, well, we know he beat the kids. And, and he that prob- was Louise was the wife, the, right? We, yes, yeah. the, the wife was Louise. He probably beat the dog, too. They yeah. had a, sh- a shaggy dog. Mm. Like, you know those, uh, the dogs that you can't see the eyes because of the, the, uh, the oh, yeah, yeah, like uh, Yeah, I forget what they call those. Anyway, shaggy dog, that's what you call them. So anyway, so he beat everybody, including the dog. He probably beat some small woodland creatures that used to habit into the uh, the yard there. Yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't very nice. He was a heavy handed uh, individual, to say the least. Yeah. So he was basically a, a deadbeat who married into money. Uh, he married way up. He married Louise, who was actually connected to, uh, well, through her father, through uh, to the mafia and money. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But he was a deadbeat, married into money. Uh, his his as I said, his wife uh, his excuse me, his wife's father, his father in law, was a successful mafia linked businessman. Who got Ronnie, uh, who got uh, Big Ronnie, right? Yep. Got Big Ronnie a sweet gig running a car dealership in the area, even though he was clearly a mess. So he was selling used cars. Yeah. Per- perfect job for him. Yeah. He had the interesting dichotomy of being both a, a habitual abuser and an alcoholic while also being a devout religious man. Of course. Uh, which 
this is it's an interesting part of the of the uh, of the equation here is the the religious supposed religious nature of of this man, um, and and this is this is stuff that I actually have have done tons of reading about the Amityville case, and I only stumbled upon this recently. Um, Big Ronnie was. Uh, he probably had an undiagnosed mental illness. Yeah, is what we would have to say. Uh, he thought he had supernatural powers. Did you know that? I didn't. I never heard that. And I've, yeah, I've read. I've read a lot as about I, this. As I said, he he. Uh, it's very interesting stuff. He he thought he had supernatural powers. Mm-hmm. He thought he could predict the future. Like what could he do? Like what were his powers? Well, he had, like X-ray vision. He, or? <laughs> he thought he could, could he could predict the future, mm. and he actually used to call people and tell them that something bad was going to happen to them, and. If this guy called you and said something bad, you'd yeah. probably think he was going to do it. Yeah, probably. You know, because he's that type you of guy. You take it as like a threat. But he, right, but he meant something bad is going to happen to you. He called a, a family friend and said that a tsunami was coming oh. and was going to wipe out everybody. Uh, so anyway, he claimed that he had supernatural powers and that the powers came to him from divine uh, uh, sources. Oh. So he thought he could... Uh, like given to him you, by God. That's correct. He thought he could utilize these forces to 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 influence events and, right. and, and, and things of that sort. And he actually had a statue of St. Joseph uh, on the front lawn, mm-hmm. which a lot of – and this was an Italian family. A lot of Italian yeah. families uh, revere – especially uh, Catholic families revere St. Joseph as their patron saint. And lasagna. Yeah. Yep. And meatballs. Mm-hmm. And I'm part Italian, so I can say that. Yep, me too. Anyway, so when – and he had the shrine to St. Joseph out in his yard. So when he would beat the kids or his wife uh, or do other dastardly things, he would go out there and pray to the statue to help him. Wow. Which made him a favorite of the neighbors. Imagine that. So yeah, so the neighbor uh, he was the he was the neighborhood kook for sure. Yeah. He, so so basically, they knew that somebody was getting beat in the house because then they would they would hear noises and then they would see. They'd Big see Ronnie. him out there praying, like asking for forgiveness, basically. That's exactly right. So an interesting side note. <laughs> interesting side note. He realized he supposedly realized that he had these powers after he had started giving generously to a church. Mm-hmm. And the priest who was happily receiving the donations magically revealed to him that he was blessed by God. And uh, angels could uh, speak to him and everything. So the more money he gave to yeah. this church, the more powers he was able to get. Well, that's been traditionally, though, that's been the M.O. of the church and continues to this day. Unfortunately, that's why a lot of people don't like organized religion. Uh, this was the church he was giving money to was not actually in Amityville. It was in uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I don't know quite what the connection was there, but he 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 happened upon this this church and started making donations. He supposedly developed magical powers to the point where. They were on a vacation, a family vacation up in Canada, and uh, they were going down a hill, and Big Ronnie said, you know what? Angels are with us right now. Yeah. The angels are going to drive the car. So he took his hands off the wheel, and the car careened down, <laughs> down an embankment. Oh. Uh, luckily, no one was killed, uh, and it's a, and the, the actual priest who was receiving all the d- donations was in the car at the time. So I wonder if he had changed his his thoughts. I don't know, but that reminds me of a of a quick uh, story about a car careening down the roadway. Okay. So when we were kids, I don't know if you remember this or not. One of our friends, I'll just say his name was Mr. Martin. Oh. He had a little, uh, I think it was like a little Chevette. Okay. You know those little cars yeah, that they used to have. Sure, used to sure. drive that, and we're going down a, a a hill. Same same thing, going down a hill, and uh, it was it was ba- the road was banking down to the right, and he goes, he decided just to take his hands off the wheel randomly and turn <laughs> the car off. What? I don't know why. why. Do and that? then the, the steering wheel locked up. I'm sure. And uh, we almost lost control and died. But l- luckily, you didn't die. He did it for no reason. He wasn't even drunk. Wow. Yeah. You never found out why he did that? Nope. We all screamed. Like did you ever get in the girls. car with him again? I did. I bet you did. So anyway, so Big Ronnie, aside from being delusional and, and, and a wife beater and an alcoholic and all that, he was also a thief. Isn't that good? Yeah. And actually, all of this comes into play 
with when, when we get to the actual murders, unfortunately. Um, so it's important to know the backstories of all this stuff. So he was a thief. He started skimming money from the mafia by way of the car dealership that he ran for his father-in-law. So normally, stealing money from the mafia is pretty dangerous, right. Right? wouldn't you think? I would say. That's not something that you would probably normally want Wake to Wake up do. with a horse head next to you or something. Yeah, that was good. That's Godfather 2, mm-hmm. right? Two. I, uh, one or two. Two, oh. I think. I don't remember. Anyway, so normally it's dangerous enough to try to steal from the mafia, but it even got more hairy because the father-in-law actually, after a period of time, the, the car dealership was not being successful. It was it was meeting uh, it was losing money. So so the connected guy decided he's going to shut down the car business. Yeah. In nineteen seventy late nineteen seventy four. So what this means to Big Ronnie is that not only is his livelihood in jeopardy because he's not going to have any money coming in because that's his only job. You know, he's he's working he's running the car dealership. It also means that the mob is probably going to find out that he was skimming. Right. Because, you know, when they start closing the books down, they're going to say, hey, we got all this money missing. Yeah, it's missing. What, what are we going to do? It? I don't even know. I don't know. I bet you it's Big Ronnie. Let's go take a Big, visit to Big Ronnie. Big Ronnie is the guy. I sound, You know who I sound like? I sound like John Travolta. Though. That's exactly right. I thought I'd sound like John Travolta. Do that again. It's Big Ronnie, you know. It's, it's over here. It's Big Ronnie. Oh. Hey. That's pretty good. Danny Zuko. Can you dance like him, too? I could try. Not right, we're on the we're on radio. Oh. Anyway, so Big Ronnie's life was in shambles. It's crashing down upon him, mm. and he's a jerk and a, and a an alcoholic. He starts taking it out on his family, so even he more starts probably. taking it out on his family. Sure, correct. that's a that's an easy supposition. Yep. So while this is going on with Big Ronnie, we're gonna mo- we're gonna move over to Butch now. Yeah, Little Ronnie. Little Ronnie. We're gonna call him Butch. Strange character. Sure. So by all accounts, even his own accounts, he was a drug addict, an alcoholic. He used to also sexual deviant. He was. I didn't get yeah. the sexual deviant yep. part. Yep. No. Well, was, you can, maybe you can discuss he that. He was very promiscuous with the ladies. Ah. Yeah. Oh, scary. So anyway, he was often tripping on LSD, shooting heroin, and by his own accounts, he used to drink a bottle of scotch a day. Oh. That's pretty bad. You can drink a bottle of scotch a day. What kind of scotch you think? It was probably cheap scotch. Probably a, a rot gut. Old scotch. crow. Uh, something that didn't have any notes, no notes in it. No, like if, uh, turpentine. If if Jake is listening, notes. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he used to drink a bottle of scotch a day. He'd been in trouble with the law recently. He's had a few arrests for possession of drugs and so on and so forth. Um, so he's basically a deadbeat, you know, like his old man. Unfortunately, he didn't have the money like his old man. So he worked at the car dealership, which was run by Big Ronnie. Yep. One day in the fall of 1974, as all this was going on with the, you know, the, the, they're going to close the business and, and all this stuff going on, Butch and another employee were taking a deposit to the bank from the dealership and were supposedly robbed at gunpoint, losing about $2,000 in cash. They had about uh, $20,000 in, uh, in deposit, but most of it was checks and stuff. Mm. They had about $2,000 in cash. So the police were called and they were highly skeptical that the crime happened at all because when they got, you know, and... This will come up, I think, in this episode arc that uh, Jay and I have a uh, little bit of a background in uh, in investigations of criminal investigations and have been doing such for a very long time. And we can pretty much tell when someone's full of it pretty much right away, as most good cops can. You get a, you get a sense for it. Sure. You can tell, you know, you deal with people enough, you can tell when somebody's full of it and some someone's not. So when they started, uh, detectives started talking to Butch and his, 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 uh, compatriot yes they started getting different stories that the, the timelines didn't match up and the police are pretty sure that they had staged the robbery to steal the money sure they robbed themselves that's right and i'm sure that that happens it happens probably quite a bit mm-hmm. so anyway so now butch is under investigation uh oh well, <laughs> initially this is kind of funny so the the uh, according to the police report they pulled 
these two guys, Butch and his accomplice aside, uh, individually, because yep. you know, you know, when you have multiple parties to a case, you you take them aside individually and to see if their stories match, right? right. So not like you see on TV where they always put them together in no. a cell and they talk yeah. about talking about everything. You know, I was watching my cousin Vinny. Yeah. Right. And these two guys are accused of murdering yep. a, a clerk at the at the sack of suds. That's right. They put them in the same cell, <laughs> and and they let them commiserate constantly. Yeah, well, because they got to get them in the same scene. You That's know, right. Talking. Because it's a movie. Yeah. Anyway, so in reality, they separate you to get us get your stories, and. One of the uh, one of the guys said that the assailant was white. One of them said he was black. That's a pretty big difference. That's a big discrepancy. That's what we would call in the uh, in the uh, investigative field a clue. Ooh. that's a clue. So anyway, so Butch is about to be arrested for staging the deposit robbery when these uh, this horrible event took place at the home. He's strung out on drugs, and by some accounts, and actually this is this is something that is it's very hard to verify, but supposedly the DEA was actually conducting surveillance of Butch. Suspecting that he was drug smuggling from his boat, right, right on the river there. That's something that you don't really get into too much with the, and, and the reason is because it doesn't matter that he's drug running. I think I think the uh, one of the things too that the old man an issue that he had was uh, he used to kind of run his mouth a lot. He used to make up a lot of stories, like we said. He 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 used yeah. to tell untruths, and I think that was one too that that was a theory that he was uh, he was running drugs uh, through the little canal there. That's right. So anyway, stresses at home. You got mafia, you got drugs, you got all sorts of stuff. It's it, basically what you have is a powder keg that's about to go off. Correct. And and prior to this incident, you know, there's been multiple uh, altercations within the home. Uh, this is corroborated by neighbors who who said that that Big Ronnie used to throw Butch beatings constantly. Um, and actually, one instance prior to the prior to the murders taking place, uh, Butch pulled out a shotgun and pointed it at Big Ronnie's head and mm. pulled the trigger, and it didn't go off. Yeah. Uh, not sure if he meant for it not to go off. He was just trying to scare him or whatever the case may be. That just kind of goes to show you what, what was going on in the home. Yeah, and supposedly there was a uh, there was an incestuous relationship between um, Butch DeFeo and the oldest daughter, Dawn, that was never really yeah. corroborated. There was some speculation. I well, guess some Dawn's friends came forward yeah. and talked a little bit about that. Just to mention Dawn real briefly, because I don't think we get into her too much, which actually it, it does bear some explanation, because Dawn, the 18-year-old, was actually trying to get out of the house. She had a boyfriend that, that uh, she was trying to move out with um, who was not, not sure how serious he was about her. But she was very serious about him. Uh, Big Ronnie wouldn't let her move out, and he's a very controlling man. So Dawn actually had a motive to kill Big Ronnie because she's on drugs too. She's trying to get out of the house. She's uh, receiving beatings from this guy. Yep. So you have a, another suspect that may come in. Actually, will come in right as we get further down the line. So again, powder keg about to get lit. It's like you know one of those old shows when uh, they get all the dynamite in the uh, in the in the the, the the mine. Yeah, and somebody lights the little fuse. Yeah, or you see like in the old cartoons, they would they would leave a trail of gunpowder. You know, mm. with the barrel, he'd be walking with the barrel, and it comes out the little hole. Yeah, and leaves the trail, then he lights it. it looks like pepper yeah. coming out of the yep. little barrel. Anyway, so that's about to happen. So here's how the night in question went down. You ready for this? Let's do it. The evening of November 13th, 1974, Butch comes storming into a neighborhood bar that he's a regular at and says, help, my parents have been shot. Yep. So he leads a group from the bar, which if that would have happened today, the first thing that anybody would do would probably pull out their cell phone and call 911. Exactly. The, the, the normal minded person. Right. But no. So he goes down to a bar and the reason for that is going to become clear when you when you see what happens. Right. So he goes down to the bar, says his parents have been shot. I need help. He leads a group back to his house. And then they get to the house, and he refuses to go in. Mm. What does that tell you? Well, he knows what happened in there. Because he knows what happened. 
So buddies of Butch's go in and they discover four dead bodies yep. almost right away. And they immediately call the police. The police come and the police find an additional two bodies in the house. Uh, so police start to question Butch and, and, and hey, wh- what happened? Like, how did you find this? You know, what's going on? Do you have six dead people, including four children? Right. And you want to know what happened? The police obviously – and this is not an area where this type of crime happens. I, was, I watched an interview that took place with the medical examiner at the time, and he said if they, were, if they got one body, that was a big deal. If they got two, that was unbelievable. Right. And now they got six at the same time. Which right. It just, it just didn't happen in that area. So they start to question Butch. And Butch immediately tells them that he thinks that the mafia killed his his parents. Well, why not, right? I mean, he knows about the mafia. He knows their inv- his involvement there. If he's going to blame somebody, why not them? Yep, Joey no knows. Johnny no. Although comes. that's, I don't, I don't think that's that's within the modus operandi of the no. mafia folks, though, to kill children. No, you're absolutely right. And the the omerta code of mm. the mafia actually prohibits attacking families. Right. They would have killed Big Ronnie and just called it a day. Um, but anyway, so. Butch tells him that he thinks the mafia did it because Big Ronnie owed him money, and that they. This is a weird cockamamie story that he had pulled up that there was a hitman that he was friends with. Yep. That actually lived in the home for a time. Uh, I don't recall the the hitman's name, but it was probably something like interesting, like Vinny, Jimmy Betts. <laughs> I don't know. Jay the Chin, something like that. Anyway, so he he pins it on a hitman. So the police obviously are skeptical of this of, of this mafia story, but they don't know. So they put Butch into protect, protective custody <laughs> right. because they don't want him to get killed too. Also, a, a cunning police officer will put him in protective custody because he knows that he's probably the one that did it, and he doesn't want him getting away. So he's saying, "Oh, I'm, we're gonna, we're here for your protection." Right. And they pull make him, make him feel comfortable, That's make right. him feel like uh, yeah, like he's not a suspect. Sure. Sure. So they pull him in, and as the uh, the forensics teams go in and they start combing the house for you know evidence, uh, and there's a lot of weird stuff that took place in the home, a lot of weird stuff related to the murders that we're gonna get to, um, but we're we're gonna stick with Butch for just a minute. So the police start questioning Butch off site, obviously they're not doing it there, and they said that actually he was being very cooperative. He was telling them all sorts of stuff. He was probably really high on drugs at the time because he was high on drugs all the time. So. He's being very cooperative with the police until the middle of the night when the police, he, his stories are so out of control and, and, and not matching up that the police start question, start thinking that they have their guy there. So as you, you may or may not know, and you, you've seen a lot of TV shows, people probably have, that um, the police investigations and interrogations don't go a lot of times as you think they do in the movies. What we're going to get to in a minute after our break, because we are at the midpoint of our show. 30 minutes. Uh, we're going to get into the police investigation, the police interrogation of Butch. We're going to talk about uh, how they came to the conclusion that he may have done the murders, and we're going to take it from there. Right. So as you know, on the show, we like to promote music. Every once in a while, we'll play some music. A couple weeks ago, we played a, uh, a musical number, a, a short clip from a, a band. Uh, they were called White Fuzzy Bloodbath. Oh, I don't know if you can remember that in California. Yeah. So this week we have a uh, we have another musical interlude from a uh, an up and coming band. Nice, and uh, they're called the Illegals, <laughs> and uh, they 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 are U.S. citizens. How applicable! But uh, we'll talk more about here uh, about them here in a minute after we play a little bit of their music. So stand by.
All right, so that was our featured mu- musical guest of the day, of the week. Yeah. They're called the Illegals, and they hail from the great state of Indiana. Nice. Uh, the towns of uh, Bluffton and Fort Wayne they call home. Um, and they're, they're a five-piece band. And now when I say five-piece, do you know what that, you know what that means? Yes, it means that there's they have a uh, they have five pieces of a puzzle mm-hmm. and they put it together on stage that's for right. everybody to see. That's right, and no, they play it, music at the same time. It means that there's five. It means that there's five instruments, correct? That's correct. Okay. And generally speaking, that'd be two guitars, a bass, uh, a drum kit. Wait, how many is that? That's four. <laughs> oh, I'm missing one. Who's the last one? Who's the last? Who's the fifth? Maybe there's three guitars. Do you have a rhythm guitar, a lead guitar? Yeah, maybe there's two guitars. I yep. should know that. You probably should know, man. No, but they uh they've had many many uh Do they many, have a singer? They've had many lineup changes over the years, but I believe if I get this right cuz I read their bio and uh, they have had a few co- uh, people coming and going in the band. But uh we have Arthur and Donald Mock. Okay. They're uh, they're related, they're brothers, nice. and Arthur plays lead guitar and Donald uh he play he's he's the vocalist. Okay. And you know they're very reminiscent the sound, the overall sound is uh it's like uh the lead singer of Rancid meets Godsmack. Okay. I, I, I just, That's when you put those comparison. two together, uh, and they have, they have a lot of wah pedal going on, mm-hmm. I like that in the guitar. It's an old school sounding. Yeah, it's yeah. just rock and roll, straight yeah. up rock and roll. It's yeah. good. They play a lot of covers. They do originals. That was an original. Very cool. And uh, so we got Ben Walker on drums. Justin Adams plays rhythm guitar, and old Jimmy Baker's uh, thumping around on the bass there. Wow. Good so st- it's good. good. Good stuff from them. Good stuff, guys. Really appreciate that. And the... we like that they like the show. Yeah, we actually love that. Well, wish them nothing but the best of success. Absolutely. So I think we're going to jump back in. And, uh, well, before we get to that. Oh, okay. Before we get to that. Oh, you I, cut I have me a, off. I have, an, I have an exciting uh, bit of the show. A bit? Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, on my way over here, as I as is my tradition, as is my way, mm. I purchased an extra large uh, hot coffee. A bl- is it black? It's black. Oh, that's too bitter. And uh, that's what I drink during the show. It's a tradition, and it's 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 it brought me nothing but success. Mm-hmm. But recently, I found out that Dunkin' Donuts is conducting a contest of sorts, and they are peel to win stickers on the extra large beverages. So I have here a sip, peel, and win ticket from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, it's like the McDonald's uh, Monopoly thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna peel it live here on the air. Okay, let's hear. It. I put it up to the yet. microphone. I'm gonna put it up here. We're gonna, we're gonna see if I won anything. I want to hear what. What it's... do you think? Do you think I'm you want a uh, um, uh, a free hash browns? Oh, I don't know. An order of those hash browns are quite delicious. No, I don't like them. Here we go. Ready? Oh, that was a good sound. What do you got? What is it? What you is are it? not an instant winner. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's pretty cheap. That stinks. But yeah. you could. It says I can enjoy two dollars. Oh, any size frozen coffee for two dollars. That's such. What a is it normally? Two dollars and twelve cents. I don't know. You know what? This should give me something. That's stupid. Anyway, Dunkin' Donuts, don't get me wrong, I really enjoy your coffee. Uh, I don't buy any uh, food items from there, and the reason for that is because if you order anything more than one, if you order more than one item there, mm. you get nothing but attitude from the Dunkin' Donuts person. You get They get mad at you. They get really angry, especially, you know, I have kids, say I'm trying to, I'm trying to get donuts or something for yeah. the kids, and I want to get like a bagel. No, you can't do more than one thing. They get really annoyed with you. Uh it's just rough going. You know what else is annoying? And I, I hate I hate to uh, – it's just this po- these things pop into my brain. Okay. Uh, quickly, what, what, if you, you've bought suits before, right? You have a yeah, suit. sure. Sure. What do, you, what do you think you should pay for a suit? Just uh, like yeah, an average a, suit, not, a, a, not good, an expensive suit. That's a good question. You know what? You get what you pay for when it comes to suits. Yeah? Uh, I don't have to wear suits too often, thankfully, but, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks, I would say. A couple hundred bucks. So maybe. I went to – I have a wedding, uh, a festive wedding coming up at the end of the month. And I, need, I needed to buy a new suit. You know, mm-hmm. I've needed one, and uh, I've been putting it off for a while. Mm-hmm. So I went to the uh, the local shopping establishment, 
And they had there's a, only one. <laughs> and they had a uh, a suit store there, right? Oh, I won't, I won't mention it by name. You know what? Before you go any further, yep. If this was me, and you and I are very similar in a lot of ways, uh, you probably got really nervous before you went in there because you're gonna have to get measured. Yeah. And then, and then there's a man in your junk area. Yep. With a little chalk yep, thingy. Yep. He's checking your inseam. Yep. He's, ru- sure he's that- running that. Uh, that, that tape measure up into your crotch. Making sure you got crotch room. Yep. Go you got to make go sure ahead. you smell good. Continue. Anyway, uh, so I just walked in and I and I have a, a budget in mind. Sure. So I said, what's the average suit? Plus, you're very cheap. Cost here. I, yeah. You know, I, I want to know this. So I asked the guy, you know, like, I'm not looking for anything super expensive. $5,000. He goes, $699. <laughs> that sounds like a lot. That's too much. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. So I got mad and I turned and walked out. But, you know, like I said, that, that, it, it was at a designer suit. I mean, was, I don't know. That's well, designer suits. You're gonna pay that. You're gonna but pay a lot of money. They're all it's all Chinese crap anyway. No. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can go to some uh, some custom. You can get a custom suit for that. For that, you much. should be able to. Yeah, I don't. I but don't, anyway, I, I ended up at a that. different store and I found one on sale for 160 bucks. If you go to the thrift store, you probably get one for like 20 bucks. And the guy came over and measured me, and it was weird. He had one normal hand, Uh-oh. and he had one hand was that it, was was it withered? It was uh, it was bulbous. Like the fingers, and it was all uh, inflamed, and it was red and purple. Was it the left hand or the right hand? His his left hand. Okay, so you didn't have to shake it. I didn't have to shake it, but it was he was manipulating it around, and I'm, he's like he had the measure and the tape measure up near my neck. I'm reminded by a f- in his by mutant a, hand. I'm reminded by a very uh, very funny uh, bit that uh, George Carlin did. Remember the great George Carlin, oh, yeah. uh, who who did uh, he he said that he had to shake someone's hand once and it was deformed, mm. and he goes, I had to pretend that it was completely normal. He goes, What else are you gonna do? Ah! start screaming yeah you know, that's what i felt like doing so he goes you know you just feel like hey great hand man and he had a little thumbnail it was a tiny and it was hanging on just by a thread well you know what you did a good deed you, you bought you brought him some business i did and uh, you bought a suit he wasn't happy though he wasn't he was kind of mean let's flash back yes. to november 1974 yep so what we have we have the six dead members of the defeo family and we have butch defeo uh the eldest son in police custody being questioned so as we said a little bit before uh, police questionings kind of go a certain way, um, and, and a lot of times police officers and detectives and whatnot are actually very, very nice, and, and you wouldn't think that they would be, uh, but the reason for their niceties is that, number one, they, they don't know if you did anything wrong, first of all, mm-hmm. and secondly, they're trying to, to lock you into a story, Yeah. because once you lock somebody into a story, it's very difficult to, once you start deviating from it, they know you're lying right. and so on and so forth. So that's what was happening with Butch. They, they locked him into a story, and um, his story was fantastical involving the mafia, and he thinks that this guy, uh, this mafia hitman that had been staying in the home came in and killed everybody and so on and so forth. So right around the middle of the night, uh, they start getting a little bit more suspicious of Butch. At the same time, investigators in the home uh, searching for evidence find an empty box for a thirty-five caliber Marlin rifle mm-hmm. in Butch's room. So they didn't find the rifle. They found the box that it comes in. Yep. So, and, and the medical examiner on scene had already determined that the cause of death for all the victims was the same weapon. Mm-hmm. It was a thirty-five caliber, which is an odd caliber today, um, but it apparently was was used for hunting or something back mm-hmm. in, back in the seventies. Um, not sure how, how well. Th- think of a thirty-five caliber. So it'd be a little bit smaller than a a, a forty, but but a. a, a, a yeah, so your, your standard anyway. hunting cartridges are thirty caliber and, right. and you know in that general caliber range. Right. So anyway, so according to the police, Butch is being very uh, cooperative at this time. According to Butch, they're beating the piss out of him at this time. Yeah. Uh, so again, nineteen seventies is not today. Um, 
rumors were that the police department, especially if this is the county police down in, in that county, yep. were notorious for beating criminal suspects into confessions. Oh, that's a good technique. Supposedly, and this is something that I learned very recently, supposedly at the time, just to give you a little bit of perspective, the average confession rate for a Brooklyn detective at that time was about 30%. Mm. About 30% of, of people he interviewed confessed. Uh, in this county, 90-plus percent Whoa. of people confessed. And, and all not all coerced. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. so supposedly they were hitting – Butch said that they were hitting him with phone books. They were hitting him with lead saps, Whoa. punching him in the stomach, kicking him well, around. Well, it is the 70s. It is the 70s, and he was a dirtbag. Yeah. So he probably deserved it. Anyway, so they were beating the piss out of him, and he comes – and uh, supposedly he, he starts copping that couple with the evidence that they found a 35 caliber rifle box. He starts copping to the murders. However – very important, however, here. So, Butch eventually does confess. Sorry, if you hear some panting, hot panting, <laughs> the dog has its face near the microphone. That's what you hear. It's not me. I'm not getting all hot and bothered. He does have a very nice dog. It's a, it's a German Shepherd, and he's, a, he's, he's, he's quite handsome. Mm. He's a handsome dog. Anyway, so Butch cops to the murders of his parents, yes. and that's it. And he says that, at first he says he doesn't know who killed the other people. Right. So... He admits, yes, he killed his father and his mother, and it was in self-defense because he thought his father was going to come and kill him. So he basically said that that he believed, because in his drug-fueled, drug-addled state, uh, that he did the killings because Big Ronnie was being abusive and he was on drugs, and actually uh, Butch changes his story about 12, literally 12 times during, yep. this, during this course of this interrogation. So, and he starts to include all sorts of outlandish things, which we're actually going to discuss a little bit further uh, next episode, because what you have is a confluence of events. You have a, a criminal trial, and you have uh, paranormal stuff going on. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about that next episode. So the the final story that he starts sticking to, and actually, if you see Butch DeFeo, who's actually still alive, he's still in jail. Yep. If you uh, see an interview with him, he'll tell you, I'm a liar, I'm a manipulator, I just say things. He's very Charles Manson-esque. He is. He, yeah, he, he looks like Charles Manson, and he's 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 a, a bit of a wackadoo. Yep. But anyway, so the story that he settles on is that he killed the parents, but he had an accomplice with him in the, in the house and named, by the name of Bobby, mm. and his sister Dawn yep. is actually the one that killed the other kids, yep. and that he killed Dawn when he found out that she had killed the other kids, and they fought over the rifle, and right. he killed her. It set him into a, a, a fit of rage when he found out he killed the siblings. Right. So according to Butch, what happened was his sister Dawn and he entered into agreement to kill Big Ronnie and the mother yep. so that they could escape. And the ultimate plan was they were going to take the four, the, the four other kids, or the three other kids, with them to escape someplace else and live happily ever after on the life insurance money, mm-hmm. which is a flawed plan in and of itself. <laughs> But that's supposedly the, the, the plan that these two concocted. And that, like I said, after after Butch had killed the Big Ronnie and his mother, Dawn took the rifle, killed the other kids, and then he killed her when he found out what she did. So that's that's the Butch story. So And the, the, the other kid that was in the house by the name of Bobby, uh, there's no evidence that he was actually there. And they that, could I, never find a guy named Bobby. Well, there was a friend, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't right. turn out that there was any evidence that there was anybody else in the house except Butch. Yep. So anyway, so there's a lot of troubling questions, obviously. You have six dead people, and you have one crazy, weirdo, whacked-out drug guy who's on, he's the only one who knows what happened. Yeah. Because he was, he, forensically, they prove, yes, Butch was in the house. Yes, Butch used this rifle. So let's let's quickly just talk about the crime scene. So yes. uh, pretty much 
everybody that was murdered that was that was shot to death in the home they were pretty much all found in in the bed or in the bedroom in states of what appeared to be like they were sleeping like they were sleeping face down yeah. right so they basically were ambushed a- ambushed style yes so they were sleeping uh they they were shot while they were sleeping and it didn't appear that anybody tried to flee the area flee the scene at all no um, it wasn't like a disheveled scene no so which is odd no in no, no so okay so this brings up one of the crucial one of the crucial parts of this case that is uh, and that's what leads people to delve into the unknown, yep. into the into the supernatural, if you will. And that's because this. Anyone who's ever been around a gunshot knows that it's very loud. Whether it's a pistol, whether it's a rifle, whether, it doesn't matter. Right. Gunshots are extremely loud. In a confined space, as such as in a house, uh, it would be heard from a great distance away. So your point is, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, extrapolating from what you just said. Yes. Why would they all be in their beds sleeping if... Someone, one person, had to go from room to room and kill everybody in the house. Right. Because they were in multiple rooms on multiple levels of the home. Mm-hmm. So you have that troubling aspect of it. Now, if it was the kids, 8 years old, 12 years old, you can think maybe they were just terrified and they just stayed in their beds. They heard noises, but they didn't know what it was. But you have older kids. You have the parents. How come nobody got up? Right. How come nobody ran out into the and tried to escape the home? Problem number one. So if Butch did the killings alone, why didn't anybody get out of bed? Like I just said, we don't know. The sound generated by a rifle shot in a well, and this is a well-populated neighborhood. Right. One shot would have made a huge racket. I mean, you could think, you, you could you could get away with one round, one shot, and yeah. then somebody waking up and saying, oh, you know, like like a neighbor, so to speak. And, right. Oh, what was that? But to hear multiple, right. the, at least six or seven shots were fired. Also troubling. Neighbors reported hearing the dog barking. Between 3 and 4 a.m., but that's it. Yeah. So you can hear the dog bark, but not somebody shooting six rounds. And so, and there's no evidence that they used the silencer or anything to, uh, to muffle the shots. Right. So you have to go, well, why the heck did that happen? Forensic. Uh, here's a forensic question for you. So there was a, a little bit of blood splatter that was found in the doorway of the parents' bedroom mm-hmm. while both bodies were found in the bed. So how did the blood splatter get on the outside of the doorframe if the bodies were in the room? That's a forensic question that has that was never answered. They couldn't figure that one out. Couldn't figure it out. Because it wasn't it wasn't blood transfer. Like nope. somebody had it on them and walked no, past it was, the door. It was from it was a blood splatter from a gunshot. Hmm. And it was outside. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a theory about that in just a moment. So and not to, not to trouble the waters or muddy the waters any further, but you have the police evidently lying about some things in this investigation, mm-hmm. uh, such as the position of the bodies. There's some, there's, there was some uh, personal accounts by some of the investigators that were on scene that the bodies were not uh, initially found in the position that they were ultimately recorded as being found. Okay, and you have to think why would why would the police go to any effort to cover up or or to or to manipulate evidence, and then you know. Knowing what you know, why would police do that? Maybe, and you know, especially being that the seventies and, and corruption and things of that sort, they thought they had their killer. Right. They were trying to manipulate the scene exactly. to make it easier, you know, to them for them to prove that he was the killer. Exactly, because once you start, exactly, because once you start entertaining the belief that there's another person involved, right? It's a conspiracy, and now you have to find that other person when, when actuality, you have you have the guy here. Right. Let's just make it. And then it adds reasonable doubt to whatever case you're putting forth on the initial suspect. Right. So the bloods, and this is this is a theory that was actually put forth by some some investigators long after there was a documentary made. There's, there's been millions of documentaries made about this, um, but one of them in particular put forth a theory that the blood splatter on the outside of the door to the parents' bedroom w- was the when Butch 
shot the Butch shot um, the mother. No, no, no. Dawn. Butch shot Big Ronnie first. Big Ronnie. Yes. He got out of bed. He shot him in the back. Yep. He got out of bed and rushed him. He shot him again, and then he retreated to the bed where he died. Ah. It doesn't make any sense because there would have been other there would have blood. been blood everywhere yeah. if that would have happened. The other the other theory is that while Butch was coming up the stairs, Big Ronnie heard him coming, confronted him on the staircase, and turned around when he realized that he had a gun. Right. Then he shot him in the back. He fell forward onto the bed, and so the shot actually happened in the doorway. Mm. Which would explain the blood splatter there, right? And then he died on the bed. Yeah, I think you can actually. I think you can still go online and see crime scene photos. You can, yeah, yeah. The crime scene. Well, you can see crime scene photos, but as I said, the scene had been disturbed. Right. Uh, they had put and actually they had covered up some of the bodies with with uh, um, sheets. Somebody does it, and, and it's actually still up in the air. No one knows who covered them up. Whether it was investigators, whether it was a medical examiner, whether it was Butch himself. You know, a lot of times. Um, when killers kill members of their own family, maybe they feel immediate re- immediately remorse, and he tried to cover up what he did by covering yeah. the, sh- the sheet uh, with the sheet, so that you have the potential for that happening. So there's a lot of forensic issues with the crime scene, and as a result of that, it leads to a lot of unanswered questions as to why all of this would take place, um, and, and and actually sets up the trial, yep. which it was a far uh, was a was a spectacle in and of itself. So ultimately, he was convicted uh, of the crimes. Yes. So, yes. So to, to to fast forward slightly. So he was convicted of the crimes. He actually admitted in court that he killed all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was several months later. He admitted in court he killed all of them, and he did it in self defense. Right. Which doesn't make any from sense. years of abuse from and all that abuse. stuff. However, also brought up at court, and this actually is a great segue into our next episode. Yep. He only in court much later s- brings up that. Uh, demonic voices told yes. him to kill. Yeah, so he was hearing voices. They right. were telling him to kill his parents. So that that's right. When we talk about the Amityville horror case, the the haunting case, which we're gonna we're gonna delve into next week, and that's that's really the most fam- more famous of the two stories that people most know about, right? With the movies and the books and things of that but, sort. But this is the transition. So you have the, you have the crime, and then Butch DeFeo in court says that he was sitting in his room that night, mm-hmm. and a a cloaked figure, a large dark cloaked figure came in handed him the rifle and said go kill your family Mm. it was it was this was the genesis of the amityville horror haunting exactly which we're going to get into like i said like next episode and it also this is all going on at the same time as the trial um the lutz family moves into the house we're going to discuss this at length next episode yep uh and then this is where as you said this is where the the um widely known story of the Amityville Horror started. Correct. Yeah, so exactly. So the the story, and most people think that the that the, the haunting started when the Lutz family moved in, but like Mike said, there's actually speculation, and from Butch himself, and take that with a grain of salt, but um, that the, the paranormal and the supernatural things were occurring prior to that. Right. So actually next week we are going to delve into the actual Amityville Horror case, the haunting case, the one that people are most familiar with, um, there's been several movies. Obviously, it initi- initiated in a book form. Yep. Um, was the was the first uh, medium that that it came to be more uh, known by uh, yeah. was through the book. But we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about the family that moved in there. What happened to them? Yep. Some of the claims that they made. Um, we're going to get into some of the uh, uh, sacred cows, if you will, of the paranormal community. How they got their start here at the Amityville House. Yep. And how today we're still. 
we're still seeing stories about these people. Uh, and, and all of it may be based on a lie. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to definitely debunk some of that stuff. And then the third episode of this arc, as we as we like to call it, we're going to interview a, we're actually going to play a past interview from a general, gentleman by the name of Rick Moran. Yes. And Rick Moran we had on our show uh, many, many moons ago when we were doing the AM version of this program when we were young and green. Yes, and Rick Moran actually has a unique perspective. On, had a, he, unfortunately, he passed away in the, uh, the intervening years. Right. Uh, but he was one of the first journalists on scene of the murders, of the Butch DeFeo murders, and had a unique perspective on what was taking place on that evening and what took place after. So he's a very, yeah. he's a, a, just a, a primary source of information. And you'll, you'll hear in the interview, the way he describes it is, he was pretty much on the sidewalk when they were taking the bodies out of the house. Which when, is so crazy he, to he, think about. You couldn't have been there any, any sooner. Right. Um, and he actually, um, and we'll talk more about him later on, but... Um, he founded his own paranormal group. So he was part of uh, the investigate, actually investigating the murders and the paranormal claims um, that took place afterwards as well, as far as the Lutz family is concerned. So anyway, this is this has been episode one of that three-episode arc. Hopefully uh, ho- hopefully we're able to, to give a little bit of insight because, you know, if you don't believe in ghosts, if you don't believe in demonic pos- possession, if you don't believe in the paranormal at all, this is still a horrific story. And this is, this is a, a human tragedy. Yep. Uh, six members of a family were killed by by this guy and and um you have to think that there's you have to think that there's a, a reason for it and, and right now we still don't know we don't know for sure um you know and he's like we said butch was a is a mentally disturbed uh, individual and it, whether or not that was attributed to growing up in a, in a household a very abusive household right or you know just genetically speaking he was just predisposed to violence we don't know that the answer to that well, anyway, if you have thoughts on this or any other topics that we've discussed, I hope you will go on our website, which is theeonproject.com. It's T-H-E-E-O-N project.com. Uh, on there, you can drop us a line uh, via our web, our, excuse me, our email, which is theeonproject at yahoo.com. You can also get a hold of us on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. Interacting yeah, you're very with, active. You're clicking away on, it, on the Twitter. Interacting with folk. Uh, actually meeting some some interesting people via via Twitter. Every once in a while, I'll see a name uh, on the Twitter feed pop up. It yep. says... Uh, Billy Bones uh, yeah. followed you back on yeah, Twitter. Baby. I'm like, Woo. what the heck? Who's yeah. Billy Bones? What so, does he do? If you want a shout out on the show, go, yeah. contact us on Twitter. We'll talk about you. And if you just want to come on and, and talk with us, you know, give us a give us a uh, send us an email yep. or uh, any kind of message actually, and uh, we'll get back to you. Any kind of message, smoke me- smoke message. Uh, send a raven. Send a raven. Yep. And oh, we never talked about the game. We're out of time, but we haven't talked about the Game of Thrones finale. We never did. That nah, was a good. Uh, you know, it was, it was good. Uh, you know, I, I went back and and started watching from. Uh, season one. I'm, oh. I'm rewatching the whole thing because there's a lot of stuff that you, you remember when you first watch it. Yep. There's a lot of like different uh, plot lines, and yeah. you kind of get lost in sure. the story. But a now, a char- lot of characters. Now that you're more familiar with the story, it's uh, you find it more interesting. Well, I think. It, it, and we're not going to talk about it in depth. We don't have any time. But uh, I think it was very interesting how everybody came together because mm-hmm. what you had was six seasons of everybody doing in, their own thing. doing their own thing, yeah. and then here at the end, everybody's coming together. It makes it gives you a little bit of a closure. You know what I find most fascinating? What's that? Uh, you know George R. R. Martin, the guy that wrote all the books. Yes. Um, it's amazing to me what can come out of a, a one, one human person. being's brain. You mean a smart person, not like us? Oh my God! And I've been watching interviews with him. It's just it's amazing to me the different all the different characters and the storylines and how he ties everything together and he comes up with these uh, different cultures and all these backstories and intertwined. It's uh, it's really pretty incredible. I wouldn't even know <laughs> where to begin. Like I have cool ideas. Yeah, but, but he's, like he's 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 fleshing them all out. How do you, and... Yeah, how do you formulate that into a cohesive, coherent 
uh, story. It's just uh, it's it's mind boggling and it's fascinating to well, me. Before we uh, before we end, yes. I want to spe- send send a special shout out to the person who sent us a uh, um, a review of some kind. Oh yeah, on Facebook. Yep, and they said they really loved our pie cruzy. I saw that. Is it pie cruzy or crusty? It's C R U S Y. I prefer to say cruzy, but I don't know what that means. So if you if you're the one that sent us the message that you love our pie cruzy, I want to know why. Why did you like our, what, what did you like about our pie cruzy and what is a pie cruzy? I feel like whoever said it would say it in a voice like this. Oh, I like that pie cruzy. Pie cruzy? I love your pie cruzy. That's uh, interesting. It's an I don't, old, old lady from Alabama. I actually. feel like that's what it would be, what no. it would sound like if the person said it. Well, I don't know. But you can anyway. go on the Facebook and you can see the message. Yeah. And maybe you, somebody else can decipher so, it. Somebody can decipher. We, we're taking uh, listener suggestions as to what the pie cruzy might be. <laughs> cruzy anyway. or cruzy. We'll have to figure out how to say it properly. Yeah. All right. So that was a good show. Yeah. Uh, some information there. Um, and like we said, next week we're going to get into the paranormal aspect of it. And uh, we can come back with another new and exciting episode. Anything else to say? Nope. All right. So just remember, the truth exists. Believe it. 